how do we get this episode to Madonna? I don't know. Well, if anybody's listening. And anyone and knows they, Madonna's people. And anybody knows Madonna's people. Madonna could also hire us. Madonna clearly to help her since the beginning of her career. We I can mean, help the adapting you. of the children of color and the ugh, cabal. I, she just all the things constantly just makes so me want to throw things. up. Um, she's not going to hire us if you're saying she's, stuff like that. Um, she should <laughs> because I'm gonna keep it real with her. No, that's facts. All the facts. Like hire me because I'm gonna keep it real with you. True. Everyone else next to you is lying because they were all. Thinking you should not wear that. Right. But they and let for you. For whatever wear. reason, nobody told you. Yeah. You need better people around you. For sure. Hey, y'all, what's up? This is Trudy. Welcome to episode 21 of That's Not How That Works. Today on the show, we're talking about the difference between cultural appreciation and cultural appropriation. And we want to make sure that you do not cross that line. Don't forget to join us in the Facebook group after the show to let us know what you think. Enjoy the show. Hey y'all, what's up? Welcome to episode 21 of That's Not How That Works. Bonjour les amis. How y'all doing? <laughs> that means hello my friends, in case anyone doesn't speak French. You're so smart. <laughs> oh my god, I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh man. Man, it's been a long week. It has. We're not even, um, it's been so long that we didn't even record on our regular recording day. We needed a few days extra rest days. Right. Get, we get together. Have gotten ourselves together. And we mm-hmm. are back at the microphones. And also, I'm glad that that happened because we had a whole These separate were... episode planned, which we'll still record at a later date. But if we hadn't, then we wouldn't have the inspiration for this new episode. Right. As we always say, the universe will provide. The universe provides. Yes. You just got to follow the signs. Madonna did some dumb shit at the VMAs. And we have to address it. We have to. We can't not. I mean, Madonna constantly does dumb shit Mm, um, with regards, I mean, like kind of in general, but especially with regards to this topic. So we are talking about cultural appropriation today versus cultural appreciation. And I feel like she is captain appropriate. Like she has been doing it since the dawn of her career. Yeah, facts. And it's just that she's kind of been laying low, low key, but she decided to, to come back out strong. So if you guys haven't seen Madonna's outfit for the VMAs, I need you to Google and we'll put it in. Our, I'll put a link to it in our Facebook group. I need you to Google Madonna VMA outfit 2018. I have like a personal, I like this, like this is really, I took personally it was very like, I'm very offended. It was like a visceral, real reaction for me. Cause I not only did I want to, I wanted to like verbally throw fade at her and like tell her about herself. And I can't because she's Madonna and I don't have access to her, but <laughs> let's take a step back. If you have, if you're new to our, our uh, podcast, then you don't know that I am from the Berber tribes, which are an indigenous tribe of Africa. Um, Berber is what the, well, the Romans called us barbarians, literally, when they first colonized, and then the Arabs changed it to Berber. Uh, we call ourselves Amazig. This woman threw on every piece of cultural Berber attire or Amazig attire that she could fucking find. I'm talking about from the kaftan, which is not something that you wear to a celebration, not the one that she wore, at least, not in the way that she wore it, which is pretty indicative of appropriate. We'll talk about that in a minute. Yes. And she also put on every piece of jewelry 
that she could find. Now, to be clear, again, she like she did this so wrong. Like the different pieces of jewelry, if you are not familiar with like tribal cultures in general, different jewelry, different tattoos, different dress definitely signify different things. Right. So you have appropriate jewelry or pieces that you might wear for a wedding, for a funeral, for the birth of a child, for you know, the circumcision of your son, like whatever the case may be. And then there are also, um, you know, pieces that warriors wear. So for example, like the one that stands out the most to me that really made me want to like stab her. I'm not even gonna lie. Like I really, that, that was the visceral reaction of like rage and anger of like being disrespected, um, is the headdress that she wore. Mm -hmm. So the way that white colonial powers would have you believe it is that, you know, Africa, and indigenous tribes are like run by men and we're like all the women are like downtrodden and, and submissive that is absolutely not true there are a number of matriarchal tribes berbers are one of them so like the women think think dora milaje like the men were warriors as well but like we had super powerful female um queens that ran without men like with no husband right they were tribal leaders they ran like various tribes and they were warriors and they're called the Ait Bamren and they have a very specific headdress. So it's like the equivalent of the Dora Milaje wearing a very specific, you know, armor or their like spear that they have that isn't earned. It is a rite of passage. It is earned. You don't just put it on. It's very significant to the culture. And this whole just put it on. I feel like... <clears throat> There might be people who don't know what Dora Milaje Oh, yeah. Sorry. So, I kind of take I'll that just, for granted. So most people have seen by now the movie Black Panther. Yes. And certainly you should know of it. So the Dora Milaje are the Wakandan warrior tribe. Like that is what they, they are. And they have very specific jewelry yeah. and attire that they wear. And to represent, there's also a very specific moment in the movie where Nakia is offered the armor to wear and she's like no i can't like i'm not adora and they're just like put it on so right. that even in that movie there's like this kind of feeling that like i don't have the right to wear this because right. i am not I, I don't have the permission the authority right. to wear this right i haven't earned this right so if even within our own tribe you don't get to just pick it up and decide to put it on who the fuck do you think you are madonna to just be like this looks nice I'm gonna throw it on. And then I'm gonna throw it on with every other piece of metal or jewelry or stone that I can think of that I've ever seen. Because, you know, she went to Morocco for her birthday. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I guess she, you know, and I don't blame her. We're, we're dope. <laughs> like yeah, she go to Morocco, for sure. Like she fell in love with the culture. And, and part of me applauds her for realizing that even within, um, you know, I won't get too much into the, into my history of, of the tribe, but um, even within North Africa, like there is an indigenous people, like there are Ar Arabs there naturally, there are, you know, the French that have come and colonized, so on and so forth, but there was an indigenous population. And so there aren't a lot of us left there. Our history is not widely known. Um, people look at me insane when I tell them that, you know, what tribe they've never heard of it, whatever. So part of me is like, cool, you actually wanted to learn about the culture but then it that's like that's where it stopped like she was like oh there's this other culture here there is there's this indigenous tribe that spans from tunisia all the way down to like mali sierra leone like it's vast and she was just like oh there's this other tribe cool i'm gonna take all your shit and not tell anybody 
and wear it on TV and then wear it at the VMAs. Right. Mad disrespectful. Mad. I'm, I'm mad disrespectful. Like I will literally never listen to another Madonna song again. Like banned. She's canceled her and Kanye exiled. So now that I got my vent session done. Yes. We needed some of that. Thank you. For um, no, thank for you. Us up on yes. So on that being said, we need to, we need to have this conversation. Cause I think a lot of people I've noticed that when I try to explain to people like why I'm upset, and unfortunately, it's typically white people. When I explain to white people why I'm so upset by this, they're just like, I don't, I don't get it. Like, so what? That's literally been their reaction. So I'm like, oh, clearly this is the conversation that needs to be had this week. So that's what we're doing this week. And I think that there's like just plenty of evidence of that general sentiment, right? That like, why does it matter? People should be able to wear whatever they want or do their hair however they want or dress uh-huh. however they, you know, do whatever, whatever it is or have whatever mm-hmm. they want. And don't, don't say why you got to take it so personally, you know, all these kinds of things. Right. Before you take this personally. Um, yes. And, and yeah. yeah. So we see right. plenty of evidence of that, you know, all kinds of celebrities and people have done that throughout the years. We'll get into it a little bit more, but yeah, that, that general sense of like, I own anything, you know, I can own and do anything. And, and it's problematic. That, right. So let's, you know what, let's, let's get into a really clear definition of cultural mm-hmm. appropriation. Um, because I really, I, I need everyone listening to this to really grasp this. Because for me too, it's so interesting, like as an aside, that is my native root. I'm very privileged to know that, yes. I, that I can do research on that. Granted, and, and it's dope now that there's a 23andMe and all these DNA tests, this is yeah. becoming more and more common. And so it's something that's really amazing that I get to share with my friends now. If you listen to my episode 14, that was something that I didn't get to share as a child. And now growing up, people are like, yo, I found out this tribe, this tribe. And I'm like, yo, our tribes were cool. Oh, our tribe's beef, whatever, right? But then on top of that, as an American growing up here, so many things about the culture and community here that I identify with are appropriated. And and I only bring that up to say, I find it interesting that somehow and and because we're, we're going to get into this a little later with our examples it's almost as if american white people especially believe that if you, they're not appropriating an american culture like of color that somehow it's not as bad no it's it's still as i'm equally and i say that to say i'm equally as offended when i see kim kardashian in cornrows as i do when i see madonna with the a warrior headdress on mm-hmm as I do when I see, what's her name? Katy Perry dressing up in full geisha. Yo. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't identify. That was a bad look. But it's a horrible look. So anyways, that being said, cultural appropriation. Do you want to yeah. break it down? Sure. So cultural appropriation is the adoption of elements of a marginalized culture by members of a dominant culture. Mm-hmm. And so... I want to place really clear emphasis on the words marginalized and dominant Mm -hmm. because with so many of the other things that we talk about on this show, what we're really talking about is power. Mm -hmm. So it's when when a group of people who hold power take things from a marginalized community or population and kind of adopt them as their own and have the ability to do that, right? So their power gives them the privilege to be able to take those things and benefit from them in various ways. And we'll talk about the different ways that people benefit from it just in a moment. But I think in in Madonna's case, 
I don't know Madonna. I ain't sitting in her room, like, you know, obviously dressing room or I'm not around the table when people are making decisions. But that was, a, I, all of these things are marketing decisions, right? Like mm-hmm. when, when stars get dressed, when celebrities get dressed up and go out, they're dressed by, these are teams of people who are like mm-hmm. de- making decisions about what they wear for very specific reasons. You can't go pick up any of the items that she was wearing at your local shop. Yeah. Right. I can't go pick up any of the things that she was wearing damn near anywhere in the Bay. And the Bay Area is very diverse. I can think of maybe one place I can get certain things. And I say that to say, to like reinforce your point, right. they, her entire team, had to really go out of their way. Right. To, to acquire these items. Right. right. To source them. Yeah. Right. So basically, so that's what we're talking about when we're, we're talking about appropriation and we're going to get into like the other elements of what that, what appropriation does. But at, at, at its core, it's when a group of people who are in power take elements of other, of marginalized groups and cultures, like cultural artifacts or um, customs, customs, yeah, different clothing, like different things and use them as their own, often without regard for meaning and ownership cultural significance yeah i mean it used to be bodies and land and i guess that's illegal now so they had to take something else whatever listen that's how i feel right now no i mean (laughs) no i mean that's that's more for listeners wait can i uh, as an aside because i know listeners are gonna listen and i i keep getting this feedback that like listeners are like i'm the big bad wolf or like I'm, I'm so bold or I'm so out there. I want to make something really clear because I know the listeners of color are listening to this and are like snapping it up and they never have a problem with anything that I say. And I specifically get this feedback from white people. Guess what, white people? The point of this podcast is that you are getting to be the fly on a wall in a conversation, in an authentic conversation that is happening in marginalized communities. So I'm not censoring myself for you because I've done that for 33 years of my life. And now this is you entering my space. So these are the comments that I would make if I was, if Trudy and I were just talking and not recording. And these are literally the conversations that we've had when we like are on the phone or just hanging out right. before the show or like together. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What, right. Like, so I just want to make that really clear because yeah, part you of know, me is like yeah. frustrated and tired of this narrative that white people have of like, oh, like this must be for the show or oh she's like oh the angry woman of color like nah but like this is just how we talk it's so interesting i was talking to someone yesterday who um this uh this dude who uh white dude who someone referred him to like take my class and he's just like i don't really see the i don't see why i need to do that like you know it's one Mm -hmm. of these people where i i don't just like any i don't see why i need to take d and i work and right. I'm like, well, how many customers of how many clients of color do you have? And it's like right. crickets, right? right? Like what y'all don't know is that when you hang up the phone from your sales calls or when people of color are looking at your marketing or looking at yourself, like they are literally having these com- these exact yeah. conversations because right. they're like, I don't know what kind of white person this is. Like all the things that you said, like, I don't know if there's going to be any other people of color there, these are the conversations that are happening. Literally, literally. Like where do y'all think the podcast episodes come from? It comes from us just talking (laughs) and being like, yo, this needs to be an episode. Yeah. And like people telling us, oh, this happened to me. And we're like, well, we should talk about that. We should talk about that. Right. So all of that being said, there is, this is why cultural appropriation does have such a visceral reaction or elicit such a visceral reaction to people of color. This is why it is so deeply offensive because 
for us, post-generational trauma is real. And so when, when we have always been marginalized, when we have always been bought, sold, and traded, whether it's in physical form or in culture and custom, at a certain point, it's like, yo, like, yeah, you see me, you clearly find value and benefit in everything that I am and everything that I represent. And yet you're going to continue to marginalize me and steal from me right. and, and never give back to me. Like that is cultural appropriation. So let's get, I think that's a perfect segue to really start digging into this, like the kind of different problematic points, aspects right? of it. Like, yeah, yeah, for absolutely. sure. And so I guess the first one is, um, that a lot of the things that are appropriated are considered to be either inappropriate or too cultural when people from the original culture do it. So for, for example, classic example, a child shows up to school with dreadlocks, right? Braids. African-American or, you know, like West Indian child shows up to school mm-hmm. and has dreadlocks or braids and is sent home. And this happens just Google or suspended. It. it doesn't happen once. It happens all the time every year. So just, you can just Google that. I can count nine kids on my timeline alone last week in tears, videos of nine different children sent home, suspended. One child was literally told he could not return to school and he would have to find somewhere else. Because and he had dreadlocks? Oh no, this child had a high top fade. And you know what, white people? I'm not going to define that for you. Google a high top fade. It is a basic ass haircut. Oh my God. But he had the high top. Yeah. Sweet little child. And you could tell he'd use his little sponge brush and like, he looked clean, but it wasn't appropriate. Right. So braids aren't appropriate. Dreadlocks aren't appropriate. Afros, you know, like natural hair, like froze, like aren't appropriate, aren't professional. However a white person can do, can have dreadlocks, can um, wear cornrows, can black braid their hair, can do mm-hmm. whatever, frizz out, you know, wear the frizzy, you know, do that. Right. <laughs> right? I, yeah, I don't and know. it's cool. Pick it and it, yeah, pick it out. Right. And it's cool. Like, it's just like culture. Like, oh, you're so hip. You're so cultured. Like, it's Perfect so- Perfect example, Kim Kardashian. Kim Kardashian. Like, classic. Kim Kardashian was somehow <laughs> two separate hairstyles. About two years ago, it was the box braids or boxer braids is what they called them. I'm sorry, which are basic ass cornrows, just two ass braids, two basic braids. Some people call them Dutch braids are slightly different, but we won't get into that. But regardless, they're a little different. Right. But but again, if you're not of the culture, why you wouldn't know that. Right. right. You wouldn't know that that's actually a different way to braid. That's the easiest. Like your mama didn't want to do your hair. So she put two braids in your hair and was like, go to school. Right. Right. Or. Or whatever the case was, it was simple. It's easy. It's always been part of the culture. <laughs> Madonna's got him in in the VMA. Yes, with the VMA yes. outfit. And there are so many times, like I've worn braids in my hair like that. And yeah, had people been like, "Oh, that's not professional," or I've seen other people. It happened to other people, or they have, you know, like the Biggie Smalls, like which is a small and then a bigger braid, but the same mm-hmm. style. But Kim Kardashian did it, and all of a sudden, it's a runway trend. It's acceptable right. for all of these award shows. Um, and now all these white people are getting their hair braided. And, like, fine, get your hair braided. But don't pretend like you th- you didn't think that up. That isn't new. Right. It's repackaged as, like, oh, look yeah. what Kim Kardashian thought about. Like, right. Yeah. Which is the like, same thing no. with this new glass hair. Again, white oh, people are not going to define it for you. Go look up a silk press. Mary Claire just attributed the silk press, which, again dawn of time like since hair has been hair and people wanted to like straighten it and press it out and by people i mean people of color 
you know, now apparently this summer's new hot trend as seen first on Kim Kardashian is glass hair. What? That's not how that works. No. <laughs> no. It's crazy. No. Or as I mentioned, what's your name? Katy Perry mm. as Geisha or the other one, Blake Shelton's girl, uh, Gwen uh, Stefani. Yeah. Uh, Harajuku Barbie, right? Like you have all of these instances of white people dressing up in a costume, taking people's very real life customs and cultures and ways of dress and dressing up as a costume. Yeah. And, but, and I think what's important too is to understand is that these aren't, these hairstyles that we're talking about are not just like cute hairstyles. They're like functional. Like they have a, yeah. like oh, yeah. they're protective styles. Right. Like they allow you to yeah. maintain a, a hairstyle for longer periods of time. Periods of time. You do them every day. Right. Like right. They're, they're functional. Yes. They're necessary. They're healthy. Right. And they're not acceptable by mainstream culture. Right. Well, not, not when they're on. Not, no, not when they're on the people who the, like. Quote unquote, indigenous culture. The people right, who the actually. native culture, yeah. And so I think that I, I say all of these things to say the one trend that like is so underlying is that is the, it is the commodification. Right. So the that's culture. the next, right. So that's the next element, right? So we have the one, the one thing, which is like just co-opting it and like taking right. it as the yours fact. and making it be. And it's acceptable for you, but not for the people who, right. are, you know, who are the originators of that. Right. And then so the next level, which I think is more harmful, I is agree. the commodification. So go yeah. ahead. It's explain. Yes. Yeah, so the commodification of a culture is, is the theft of anything from music, right? So uh, cult- uh, cultural dress, hairstyles. So any of those customs or or cultural attributes that you have stolen, you've thiefed, and you're now making money off of it. So you're taking something that at one point was either just a protective hairstyle or, oh, I don't know, rhythm and blues or soul, and now you're making country and rock and roll, right? Mm. And so, so that's actually the perfect example. At a time when Black artists were not allowed to perform in many, many, many venues, were it was not safe for them to even enter certain areas with their their music white people such as Elvis Presley and many others were stealing literally thiefing a sound they created rock and roll they created country music out of it and then they were touring and they were making money everywhere because they could enter the venues because they could be seen on TV right because they could have safe passage through the south and so that, that is, is to me the most harmful thing because you're literally, it's like you can't take land anymore. You can't buy and sell the body. So you take all of the other elements of it and you find a way to profit off of it without giving anything back, not, not even so much as a thank you yeah. to the culture from which you stole. And it happens in so many ways. Like you give the example of around rock and roll, but like, I mean, that goes all the way up to hip hop. Like the people who owned Girl. the big labels. I know, I know. But you know, when when black and brown folks in New York were, you know, were were pioneering hip hop right? mm-hmm. and didn't have the money to kind of have a national platform, it was white right. folks who kind of came in and funded it, but they created all these barriers, they created right. contracts that like right. really I mean, there were artists, there were, you know, like the godfathers of hip hop that today are broke. Right. Like 
They've, they've made people so wealthy and today they don't have health insurance because their contracts were so bad, but all they wanted was just like the opportunity to perform, to get their music out there, to do it for the love and to make a little bit of like, to be able to eat, but they didn't have like the know-how and no one really protecting them. They got caught in all these deals and that like that cycle just continues to happen. Right. And I think you bring up a really good point which I, I don't know if like people, if it, obviously if this is a new concept to you, you may not have, have really grasped it. But what I want to extrapolate from the example that you just gave is that there is a system in place right. that we've talked about a million times and it is here to benefit whiteness. And so white people are simply leaning into the system that is already built for them to succeed in order to continue to pillage communities of color. And not only, you know, did it happen back in the 80s and continue to happen, but it's happening in like these smaller ways too. So last year, there was this wellness coach blogger who Mm -hmm. wanted to open a fruteria, which is like a natural, you know, like a natural fruit and health kind of, uh, usually they're stalls, like they're these small, like little stalls. Is this a white person? Yes. Okay, just, I figured, but continue. So she wanted to open one in, in like this, like, what she called like Barrio in San Diego, right? And she makes Hold this. Hold up, San Diego ain't got no Barrio? Well, I mean, that's what she was, Lord that's how she was framing it. Let's talk. So about, she okay. makes, oh, wait, it gets better. So she makes this like video, like this com- kind of commercial that like, it's like the Spanish guitar in the background. She's like using like Spanish words here and there. And it's like, you know, this white woman who's like, we're gonna put this fruteria in this neighborhood and we're gonna like, you know, help people get healthy and blah, 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 blah. Yo, Mm -hmm. the neighborhood wanted no parts of it. Not only like it, there was a huge backlash online, like the community was not standing for it. And she had to like, abandon her whole plan um but like shout out to whatever barrio that was in man and like the online community too for kind of coming in and being like oh absolutely not like once that once that video popped up online it was over if she if she didn't do that commercial she would have gotten away with it because there wouldn't have been you know people it just would have been so isolated isolated to the community yeah yeah yeah. Uh, no for sure but that that whole the whole commercial was this big appropriated production like it was just, it was just awful. Like the whole thing. Oof. I know. Yeah. I mean, so it, so- that's what I'm saying. Like it continues to happen. And it's because white folks have what, what struck me about Resources that. and power and privilege. Well, yes. But also I think in the, what, what really stuck out to me in that video, cause I remember I saw it when it came out and I was like one of the people who shared it. Um, I was kind of like talking to folks about it is that this woman like thought she was helping. Like she had this like savior complex that was like, we're going to come into the community. Like she has so many blind spots that she did not see. Cause she hasn't done the work. Right. And I think like to like pull it back to this Madonna thing, like, and, and Danielle Laporte and like all these, you know, and Kelly Atwood and all these people. It's like, these are people who have resources Mm -hmm. who I imagine as an entrepreneur myself, who, at, who talks to other people about my business ideas. Like you don't have anyone in your circle who's like, um, excuse me, maybe we go in a different direction. Like there's no, like, no. so not only do you have all these blind spots, but you don't have anyone on your team who is, or in your community who is like, 
checking for your blind spots. Like y'all no. got to do better people. Like if you're in business, you need to have people who are like watching for this. Or you hire coaches. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like hire, right. Hire somebody. I don't care if it's me and Trudy. I don't Ooh. care if it's Joe Namath. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, like anybody, like, I'm, I'm just saying, like, if you're in, if you're in business, right. You need to be paying attention yeah. to these yeah. blind spots. And if you are not, if you haven't done the work, you should have appointed people yep. to do it. I mean, shoot, I work with big, large inner city school districts that are full of black and brown folks and they need people to help them look for their blind spots. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, if this isn't what you do no <laughs> one, and you haven't done the work fully, then you as a person can't be expected to do it. And if you haven't really done it, then your organization isn't going to reflect it or is going to rather reflect that you haven't done it. But yeah, so all of that though brings me to like the, the next level of why appropriation is problematic. And I actually, well, I'll give the example in a second. So the next level after, so you have the thiefing, which I'm making a word now, thiefing, commodification. Mm -hmm. And then the next level, I I guess I'll call it vilifying. And so a lot of times what you see is that when, or othering even, when- An erasure. but, But beyond that, it's like they become, it's like, it's this negation. Like, so for example, the children that came to school, right? I guarantee you there were kids, probably little white kids because kids are kids, they didn't brush their hair that day and look unkept. Right. You know, or a little girl that showed up with two very cute braids. Right. And they're no better than or, or worse than or whatever than any of these kids of color that are coming in with their hair done or their dreads or their braids. But when whiteness has the privilege and the power to take something from another culture, a marginalized community, and then at the same time say, when I do it, it's okay. And when you do it, it's wrong or it's bad. It's unprofessional. It's unkept. It's unruly. It's unattractive. Right? So there's, there's this vilifying of it. It's good enough for me to steal. I can have it. And when I do it, it's okay. But when you have your protective style, when you make your, like how long was hip hop even like banned? Like there were so many movements oh. for like mothers against hip hop and all of this stuff. And oh, then yeah. recently, you know who I think of? This is my favorite example. And this is why no matter what anyone says about 50 Cent, I think this man is amazing because 50 Cent realized very quickly what was happening with his career and his music because it was in the hands of, of you know, white America and white music execs and so on and so forth. And he was like, yeah, I'm not going to work this hard and allow you to continue to make money off of my back to, to appropriate anything that I create. So I'm going to split off and I'm going to create my own little label and I'm going to create my own show and I'm going to get my own production credit mm-hmm. and I'm going to do everything in-house. I don't care how I do it and I don't care how long it takes me, but I'm, I'm going to be the master of, of my own symphony. Right. And so, but the way that people talk about that man, the way that the industry vilifies him, the way that stars, he has one of the top three shows, grossing shows on, on network television, on, prior, on uh, cable network ever. They talk about that man like he is just the bottom of the bottom. And that's because he will not allow for the appropriation or the commodification of his culture or his product. He's not allowing it. And so now they've demonized him. They've vilified him. They'll take it. They still run his show every Sunday. It's doing great. <laughs> He, however, is a problem. 
So I can make money off of what you do. I can make money off of what you represent, what you give me, the product. But you, the person, the human attached to the culture, no, you're bad. You're yeah. ugly. You're less than. And that is like, to me, that's like the third level of it. There's those, yeah. like those three things cu- coupled together. Right. Right? It's just, it's yeah. a symptom of, of the system. I think that for a lot of people, the reason that this is also confusing to them and is that because people want to understand the line between all of these things that we're talking about are around appropriation and then also appreciation. Like, where is the line? Like, are you saying that if I'm a white person, I can never listen to hip hop or, you know what I mean? Or I can never, um, or if I'm a, uh, you know, Puerto Rican, I can never like wear a sari. Like, well, like, where's the line between appropriation and appreciation and the kind of... I mean, I think it it's all in how it's done, right? So if yeah. if we're saying that the three things are thiefing, commodification, and like vilification. So first, don't steal anything. You have to be invited in. Yeah, right? I think that's a big one. The invitation to participate. Yeah. You have you to be invited a- yeah, you you were telling me a story about um, a friend of yours, like right before mm-hmm. we started recording, that I think was a perfect example of that. The, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, um, I have a homegirl. She is white. And she was going to a Nigerian wedding um, where both bride and groom were Nigerian. And there was a portion of it that was going to be very, like, they made it very clear that this is, we are going to adhere to all of like the cultural traditions, especially for like the religious ceremony, so on and so forth. And their expectation of everybody that was going to attend was that they participate in traditional dress and, you know, have an understanding of the customs and so on and so forth. And so what she did, one, so one, she was invited, right? She was invited to participate. Mm -hmm. And two, what she did was the next step, which is required after the invitation to participate, which is she began to do the research and really understand cultures, customs, what was appropriate to wear as a part, as somebody who was attending the wedding. Mm -hmm. She asked members from the actual community that she was, you know, walking into and the culture that she was walking into. What is appropriate? What is not appropriate? How should I behave? How should I this? How should I that? So she after being invited in, really did the work to understand it and respect the, cu- the culture and the customs that she was, you know, going to be participating in. Yeah. Really simple. That's so simple. I mean, apparently it's not, but... <laughs> I mean, it is. It is. People it really try. is. I gotta just try. Yeah. <laughs> and so that, that, for me, is like really that, for that first level of thiefing. Like, that's how you make sure you're already on the right path. Like, you've been invited in, you're actually going. Oh, and can I add one? Of course. That she, that she doesn't like that in your in this case with your friend that she wouldn't go to like a Forever Twenty One and try to find like something that looked like whatever she was trying to wear. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, she like for real was like, where do I where do I get like you know this attire? Is this something that like I order online? Do I have to get it custom made? Right. Blah 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 blah. Like she really asked. Yeah, she wasn't just like, does Forever Twenty One have like nine wedding or like could this crop top work? You know, like, no, she really, she really made sure that she was showing a lot of respect um, as, because she was going to be a participant. Man, to um, me, that's like, like, I'm just listening to your story and I'm thinking about your friend. And like, to me, that would be such an honor 
to be invited to a wedding, right. that, like a traditional wedding, to be invited to kind of participate in that way. Because it shows me, it will show me that these people, that this family, this couple trust me. You know what I mean? To like be there and to be respectful and appropriate like that is like a really high honor in terms of like a relationship that you can have with a person. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like a lot of the times you kind of hit the nail on the head, like that's the the thing that's missing is like the trust factor, Mm. right? Because if you're just a, a, a person that holds power and you see something and you want it and you take it, like you don't have any affiliation to the community that you're stealing from. Right. Right. So I've said this a million times and I'll say it again. This is why people of color inherently distrust white people because we don't know if you're going to just come in and take some shit or if you're actually, you have a vested interest in in us to where there's going to be a bridge that's built and there's going to be a sharing of community. And so, yeah, yeah, she, exactly. Like it's an honor to, to be somebody that is not, you know, native to this culture or custom and then have somebody... Be like, yo, like I want you to share in this way. Right. You know? So I think that's like the number one way to do it. And for example, like Madonna, she was in Morocco. She posted when she was in Morocco herself mm-hmm. in a Amazig dress and wrote hashtag Amazig style because yes, that is a very prominent hashtag. Like, let's be clear of that. Again, marketing. But she was there. You know what I mean? Like she could have informed herself. She could have talked to the people. She could have really learned and participated and been an active sharer, if you will. But yeah. instead, she was like, Boop, like this, taking it. I'm just going to put everything on. Everything. I don't know what any of this is and what the importance is, but I'm just going to put everything. Yeah. Like, and so that's I the think, other thing. Yeah. So I was going to say, like, I think the, that the element that you're getting at there, which is another way to kind of identify whether you're appropriating or not, is that like you're not using it as a costume. Yeah. Like it's not this like thing that you're putting on for to make a scene, to make a show. Right. You know what I mean? That it's not like in your friend's case, she's not going to take just because she bought that the the dress. She's not going to go and wear that on Halloween. Halloween. Or like to a gala or something. You know what I mean? Like she's not that. It's not a costume. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, And we see that a lot of I mean, y'all, it's it's, uh, August. And although I am resisting. I'm like really, really mad that Dunkin' Donuts keeps like putting pumpkin swirl in my caramel iced coffee because I am just like, it is still summer. But anyway, I digress. Halloween will be here soon. And this is just one of those things that we just see like crazy around Halloween is like people just throwing on the costumes of like the Native Americans or... Right. The belly dance. Yeah, like whatever it is, right? Like the... And I love that, um, you know, those shirts and the hashtag, like, my culture is not your costume that have come around the last couple years because it's just so negligent. It's used incorrectly. Yeah. Um, And also, and and then, so that also leads to the economy piece, right? Like, when you buy these costumes. Girl, you read my mind. Yeah, like, when you buy these costumes, you're not contributing to the native Uh or, or, you know, the originator's economy. Like, you're paying whoever, whatever store that you bought it from, whatever, you know, retailer is making the costume, you're right. lining their pockets. And though they're definitely not, those are not culturally accurate. <laughs> like, you know, right. those, those are not people or economies right. that are going back to the local community. Right. And I would like to take a moment here and talk specifically to our coaches that are listening. If you are using in your practice, 
any portion of yoga, Hinduism, Reiki. I don't care what it is. A Kabbalah. Spirit a spirit stick. Native American culture. Peruvian culture. I don't care what it is. If you, a portion of your practice is predicated on any form of quote-unquote borrowing or inspiration from another culture that is not your own and you are not actively finding a way to take a portion of your proceeds to give back and funnel and siphon back into that community guess the fuck what you are an appropriator ding 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 right so if you are a person that sells oh i don't know pottery made in portion in in a small portion corner of bali great example okay you take pottery or and jewelry that is made in bali that's where you get all of your product from and you're selling it for way more than you probably bought it for because that's how business works here in the states or anywhere else outside of that country and you don't take a portion of your proceeds and give it directly back and more than what you're just paying for the product. We're not was, talking about- I was just going to say, yeah. Like, it, not, like this is completely aside from you having a just a transactional- a business transaction. Yeah, yeah. like, you know, relationship. Completely aside from it. Because you're going to pay what you're going to pay for those products. This is in addition to, on top of, you have a person within that community that you're like, cool, here are the 12 people that, I, that make this pottery- I'm going to make sure that each one of them gets an extra $200 or whatever it is. Whatever it is. A month yeah. out of my proceeds. Yeah. And don't, don't donate to like an American based no. philanthropy that says they're doing work back. Like do it. We can do a little give bit more work to them. Give it to, yeah. Give it to them. Find a local, like build a relationship with a local nonprofit that's there. That's doing work. Like donate to that. Like do something directly. Like it but doesn't. Here's one better. Let's take it a step back because if you are invited in to participate and you learned from this culture, the way that you were supposed to have learned from this culture before you started commodifying it, you would have built a relationship. Right. And you would be able to siphon money back through to that community through the group or the person that invited you in to right. begin. And that taught you the practices that you are implementing in your own business. Right. So you shouldn't have to look far. And if you have to look, then guess what? You're half an appropriator because you weren't invited in. You just decided that you wanted to do this thing. And you can do better. There's not lost. There's, yeah. You know, it's not like there's, there's lost not all or nothing. Like, no, you can, there's ways to figure it out. Let us know if you need help. Figure right. it out. Like, and that's the thing. We're, we're not saying, you know, oh, well, if you started Throw out appropriating, then yeah, start all over. No, you can right. course correct. You Absolutely. can always course correct. If we didn't believe that, we wouldn't have a podcast. We wouldn't be in business. Not like we wouldn't that, be doing yeah. that. If we didn't believe that, we wouldn't do DNI work at all. Because right. if that's the case, then I would just make the assumption that, or that, that that belief is predicated on the idea that we think that all people that are already in positions of privilege and power can't be changed. Right. I wouldn't have a business. Clearly, we believe that you can course correct and change once you've learned. Right. Right. So one invited. And even if you're not necessarily invited, but you fall in love with a particular culture through a, a, you know, a life experience, build a relationship, build a relationship and learn directly from that culture, that community Two, make sure that you are funneling money back into that community in some way, shape or form. Okay. Um, and then three, which is the last thing, make sure that you're celebrating the community 
Yeah. So let's continue on with this example of, of pottery in Bali. I know you have a website. I know you have IG. Everybody does. And you probably have product photos everywhere. So maybe you should also be posting photos of the, the people, where they live, how they dress, the, the good things about them, right? Like, so celebrate them. Right. Celebrate them in the same way that children here are having their hairstyles appropriated and then kicked out of school, right? Like, so if you're a teacher, celebrate that child. Next time that kid comes back to school, I love your hair today, right? It doesn't have to be a big social thing. Doesn't, and no one needs to know that you did it. But let that, let that kid know your hair is beautiful. I love your braids. I don't care if you don't like them. Tell that baby that. <laughs> they need it. They need to hear that. They yeah. need it. They need it. Because the they world is telling them otherwise. Every yeah. chance they get. Every chance. So, so celebrate it. And I think that's, that's the most important thing. Give respect. Pay homage. Celebrate it. Cast positive light on that community or culture that you're borrowing from it every chance. I think that's super crucial. Because for example, Madonna, most people don't even understand what she was wearing. I'm going to post that Teen Vogue. So there's a Teen Vogue article. I'm going to post it in our, in our Facebook group that did a really quick little synopsis of appropriation versus appreciation. They have a little blurb on Madonna and they hit the nail on the head that because Amazigh culture we're, you know, is not widely known. We're not a, a widely known popular tribe. People didn't even realize what she was doing because they've never seen it before. They're not exposed to it. And people were like, oh, she looks like a witch doctor. She looks like this. She looks like mm-hmm. that. Right. Because there are certain connotations that are automatically linked to tribe, tribalism and, and tribal dress. Um, and also because she looked fucking insane. You know what? And I apologize because insane is not the word that I should be using because that is a, a, an actual and real term. She looked fruit loop. She looked like she didn't know what she was doing. She looked a hot ass mess and she looked disrespectful. You're disrespectful. Do better, Madonna. What is right. up? Come do on. Better. I do have a do better. Great. Unless you have let's a do hear better. It. No, let's go. I was okay. Again, I'm, I'm not going to put this person's name out there because it is a client. Um, and in case... She's listening or people that follow her are listening. I'm also not going to say which cultural practice she is appreciating or rather attempting to appreciate. But, um, yo, my clients are awesome. So basically she's working on a rebrand of all of her marketing materials as well as kind of like how she's going about her coaching. Mm -hmm. And she is using certain symbolism. And in, in her rebrand that is directly linked to the culture in which she has, you know, taken the practice from. And the, she literally messaged me and was like, I don't even need a full session. First of all, shout out to her for rewind, making sure not to try to get emotional and actual labor out of me. Like her first thing was, yo, how much would it cost me, uh, to, to have you, basically steer me in the right direction. I want to make sure that I'm not appropriating this culture and this practice. I want to make sure that I'm respecting it and honoring it. And this is my idea, but I need to talk through this. So that was the first thing. No, that's exactly what people should be doing. Right. She asked first and was like, you know, whatever it is, I just need to know. And I told her, I said, okay, well, this is about how long it'll take. This is how much cost you. Cool. Great. Here are my questions. And we went into it and it was like cultural appreciation versus appropriation. I gave her journaling exercises to work through. I gave her like a number of different things so that she could really do the work Mm -hmm. before she made a decision for her rebrand and blah, blah, blah. And obviously 
when she gets to the point where she's starting to finalize things, we'll go through it some more on a deeper level. But that's exactly what you're supposed to do. She wanted to make sure that she was appreciating, honoring, and celebrating the customs and the culture that she was borrowing from or had learned from. She wanted to make sure that it fell under the lines of appreciation and not appropriation. And she wanted to make sure that she was doing all of the things right to appreciate versus appropriate. Before she even started the idea of, of a shift in brand or practice or anything, she wanted to make sure. So that's my shout out to her. Dope. Yeah, she's, uh, I mean, I think she's a beautiful, wonderful person. Um, and I, like, it just, it, like, made me so happy. Because um, that's, appreciation versus appropriation is a hard one. It, it is hard There's for people. a line, yeah, there's a thin line. It's a sure. really thin line. Um, but she killed it, and it was dope. And, you know, she, d- first of all, paid me immediately. So, like, she was really doing all the right things. <laughs> Good job doing yeah, better. Right? All the way. Yeah. And, again, though, this is somebody that is, conscious and doing the work and is yeah. a, and is aware and at least is aware that she she knows that she doesn't know right and wants to yep and that's all anybody can ask for mm-hmm. she wants to learn and course correct so shout out to her i'm gonna send this to her so she knows that we're talking about her but i just mm-hmm. you know i like to protect awesome. everybody's identity just in case for sure um but yeah so so that that's that's the way to do it y'all all right that's it for episode 21 i think yeah Anyway, that's we don't it wrap this up. Y'all, if you have not joined the Facebook group yet, make sure you do that. The link is in the details of the show right on your app, whatever you're using to listen to us. You can just go to the link, click it, and join us in the Facebook group. Please answer the questions. Those questions are there for a reason. Yes, they They're are. important. At this least one of it's them just... is like crucial. Yes. Just short little answers. Super we just need short. to make sure you're real people. Come on. Right. Y'all. I can't have any more Russian bots, yo. For real. So uh, see, meet us inside the Facebook for sure. And let us know what you're thinking. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe. If you can, let, uh, if you can write a written review, it would mean so much so to much us. To we us. need all of them. And our heart melts every time. It does. It makes me smile. It really does. All right, y'all. That's it for me. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to me, Kvatch, guys. <laughs> all right. Bye. Hey everyone, thank you so much for tuning in to episode 21 of That's Not How That Works. We really appreciate you being here. If you haven't had a chance, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. It'll help people find us. If you're a fan of the show, please remember to join us in our Facebook group so you can stay up to date on everything that's going on, see our weekly Facebook Lives, and be part of the conversation. And remember, next time someone says, I should be able to do and wear and say whatever I want, This is a free country. You tell them that's not how that works. (laughs) See y'all next time.